This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Now to an old story that is still costing all of us at the worst possible time. It involves the TTC and that big fraud scheme that it caught five years ago. Uh, remember, that was where, believe it or not, 700, 700 of the company's own employees milked the employee benefits program to the tune of nearly seven million dollars through fake insurance claims where they would put claims in for things they did not receive and split with the fraudulent clinic. Now, about 200 of them have been fired. And uh, uh, the rest, though, apparently, the TTC offered the union, which is the Amalgamated Transit Union, Local 113, a deal that would have seen hundreds of them keep their jobs under certain conditions. Uh, they would have to pay back some of the money and so on and so forth. But the union would not agree to that. So all these years later, both parties are entangled in a long legal battle that is just pushing up the costs. And guess who ultimately pays for that? Let me give the numbers out if you have a comment on this. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And first, let's go to TTC spokesperson, Stuart Green. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Libby. So, uh, you're still dealing with this all this time later. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, you know, the... the in- our interests all along, uh, dating back to 2015, were to settle this uh, and and to avoid this this lengthy uh, what we knew at the time was going to be a lengthy uh, arbitration process and and a costly one, frankly. Um, so uh, you know, as you point out, you know, we we had a deal offered uh, whereby you know uh, employees who engaged in fraud of less than $5,000 would, uh, would, would be able to um, pay us back. There would be a 10-day suspension served, a number of things that would have avoided us getting, going down this road. Um, it also would have prevented, uh, you know, one of our bigger challenges would have been, you know, letting that many people go because obviously defrauding the company is, is an immediately fireable offense. Um, but but letting that many people go and you know could it could have created problems for us from an operational perspective. So just for a whole bunch of reasons, it made a lot of sense to us uh, to to get a resolution that would allow us to get get paid back, uh, met out some punishment to those who engaged in this, uh, and carry on our business. Uh, and ultimately, um, for reasons that uh, that I'm unable to explain, the union rejected that offer. Um, Let me. So what did they? say to you? I mean, it sounds very generous to me. I mean, $5,000 defrauding your employer for $5,000, it sounds serious to me. And being allowed to keep your job, well, that sounds... Uh, right extremely generous. Well, and, and in fact, you know, the arbitration rulings that we've already had in this regard have made, have made note of that. 
and and if 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 arbitrators' rulings could could shake their head or roll their eyes, um, I, I'm sure that uh, that we would see <laughs> we would see both of those things happening in in what we read because uh, that they are completely baffled by the refusal to accept that deal as well. So what happens now when these things are litigated? Uh, do is it sort of one by one with a grievance and and yeah. are these employees let go when it comes through or do they are they just given the deal you offered everyone uh, no so so what happens is uh, you know they, they they are i mean we've had as as you said off the top uh 200 the number is actually around 257 people that have either been terminated uh which is around 225 and then uh another 32 who were uh, uh or pardon me 257 dismissed um but but some also resigned so um anyway at the, at the end of the day uh, you know the arbitrator would uh, you know could I, I can't imagine in, in in this scenario that they would, but they could uh, deem that they were improper improperly fired or something like that. That is an option that would be available, but um, that certainly isn't the indication we've had from the two or three rulings we've had so far. Oh, so you've only had two or three. So yeah. um, are each of these five hundred who are left over from this are are they each getting their own arbitration hearing? Well, so the, 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 you know the number of the number of hearings will be determined by you know the, the, the number of, of of grievances or the number of of, of arbitration that are filed. Uh, so right now, uh, you know, we're going through that process. This is still very much an ongoing investigation. We, we're we're still doing work in the background to you know to to get to the bottom of all of it. Uh, so there, you know, the number the number could change, but. Um, you know, ultimately, it's up to to you know ATU Local 113 to decide what they want to do. Uh, given that you know the, the the rulings that we have had uh, are in essence precedent for what is to come with the others. Let me ask you one more question. You said you've only had a few, but if they're decided in your favor, uh, does the union have to pay your costs, or is this uh, you have to pay your costs? Is the arbitration isn't cheap. Yeah. Well, no, and and so we're doing this in house. So. Uh, you know, a couple of things that, you know, that, that I would point out here is in terms of the, the, the financial piece of it is that since, you know, since we cracked down on this, uh, in starting in 2016, uh, and moving forward, we've been saving around $7 million a year, uh, in reduced benefits claims. So that's or money. Or reduced that, fraud claims. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> either way, we're saving $7 million a year, right? Uh, and, and, you know, the, the TTC really, when it comes to, when it comes to, you know, shining a light on benefits fraud, we were really a leader in this area. You know, th- this was such a, this was such a huge scheme that was underway. You know, people have, uh, you know, been, been charged and convicted criminally with, in relation to this. Uh, this wasn't just a couple of people stealing paper clips. This was very significant. So we, we really led the way in this regard. And, uh, uh, you know, and now the, the rulings that are coming in are really starting to show um, what, you know, what we thought was a fair offer at the time that would have avoided all of this. And unfortunately, it was, it was rejected. And again, you say you're saving money, but this whole process, do you, can you put a number on it? Yeah, we, we can't just yet. I mean, because, as I say, because a lot of the, uh, the work that's being done by our legal department, for example, is being done in-house, uh, but being done by people who may be doing other things as well. So we couldn't just say, you know, person X makes so much money a year, uh, and they're 100% dedicated to this. They're not. They're, they're doing other work as well. So, uh, they, it, you know, pulling out all the, the nuts and bolts would be very difficult. But, but as I say, you know, $7 million a year is, is what we're saving, which uh, far and away exceeds uh, any cost that uh, would be associated with it. 
Okay, well, that's um, one take on the math anyway. Yeah. Uh, Stuart, we're going to keep on top of this. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Libby. Thank you. Okay, uh, we are going to bring in a lawyer momentarily, uh, but uh, first let's take a call from John in Toronto. Hi, John. Hello? Hello, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just wonder, where else on the planet can you get a job rob them and then keep your job you know i know they've hired uh, a lot of people but and that's another thing i don't remember hearing anything about 200 people being fired from the ttc uh, things are tough all over for everybody and and why 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 would these people like jeopardize their job and why does the ttc want to wait so long so, like, the last of these people. And then I hear just a minute ago, uh, oh, yeah, we're going to take care of this in-house. No, I think every CTC employer should be in charge. The union shouldn't be standing behind them and paying their legal fees. Okay, but, no, like, they're, they're, I, uh, that's not exactly how it's happening. John, you know what? We're having a lot of trouble hearing you. I don't know where you're... Um, oh, I'm where, on a cell phone. You're on a cell phone. I, I think yeah. we get the drift. Yeah, where else? I, I think that would have been a pretty good deal to say if, you, well, if I, your fraud didn't amount it. to 5K, uh, you can keep your job. That's um, yeah. very generous. Yeah, I... I just hope this is a wake-up call for everybody else that's still working at the TTC. Uh, maybe one they, would hope so. Maybe they know somebody that's doing this, and uh, because ultimately it's the people of Toronto that are paying. For Absolutely. This. Anyway, Listen, I've got, I've got to let you go. It's too loud there. Okay, let us bring in lawyer Muniza Sheikh. Now I heard an echo. Okay, she's a partner at Levitt LLP Employment and Labor Law. Hello, Muniza. Hi there. So uh, again, I mean, that's a question that a lot of people are asking themselves. What? You you rob the company and you have an offer to keep your job and, and it's not good enough? It's baffling, quite frankly. And this is certainly a view that I've, I've expressed earlier. Now I should probably, uh, you know, mention to your, your, uh, to your listeners, I should say, that um, I am not uh, the employment lawyer on the management side that's involved on behalf of TTC. Uh, nonetheless, it doesn't preclude me from having um, some very strong opinions and, uh, you know, a uh, perspective on the case. So I absolutely, I mean, if you're in a situation where you've been partaking uh, with respect to benefit fraud, regardless of you know, the degree of fraud, and I say degree, and I use that term very lightly because, you know, in the two awards that have been released recently, there was a little discussion, there was some discussion of, you know, knowingly participating in the fraud, and then one gentleman I thought had said uh, that, you know, he knew about some aspects of the fraud, but still took the position that he had been sort of taken by the benefit to, or by the provider, I should say. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, fraud is fraud. And ultimately, you know, as an arbitrator, what you're looking for is um, a determination as to whether or not the relationship between the employee and the company is salvageable. And in determining whether that relation is salvageable, you look to see whether there's been um, whether there's been a breakdown of trust. And most people can agree, whether or not you're a labor deployment lawyer or someone who's just listening, that where there's been fraud within the company, that breakdown of, there is that breakdown in trust. So, you know, this 
was a great deal for the employees where, you know, you get to pay back the money that you essentially stole, improper money that you were, you know, you know, improper uh, funds that you were pocketing um, in working with another company that was, you know, really defrauding the provider um, on the back of TTC. Um, so you get to pay that money back, you get a little slap on the wrist, whether that's a suspension or a warning in your file, and you get to stay gainfully employed. So why they would not have um, accepted that really is yet to be determined. And I wonder uh, what role the union would have had in those circumstances. Because remember, ultimately, in accepting a deal or not accepting a deal, the buck stops with the union. Well, no, it was the union decision. Apparently, the official that made that decision is no longer there, but it it stands. I mean, you deal with these kinds of things all the time. I mean, is is it because maybe they think their job is to d- defend people no matter what they've done or what could it possibly be? So certainly not, because I can tell you, even though I work as a management, largely as a management side lawyer now, I actually did work in-house for one of the second largest unions for quite some time a number of years ago. And in determining whether or not you accept a deal or don't accept a deal, you look to see what would likely happen um, if the matter goes to arbitration. And most um, employment lawyers, most labor lawyers will tell you that an if, 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 when looking at an issue uh, like this where the fraud essentially is so clear, so blatant, and quite frankly, so easy to prove, there would have been no reasonable basis for the union to make the determination that they wouldn't have accepted the deal. I mean, they would have been able to salvage hundreds of jobs. And, you know, also keep in mind that we're talking about a number of TTC employees who perhaps with their educational background, would not be able to find alternative employment at the same pay scale. And really, they were earning uh, what they were earning with the TTC, very well well deserved, that's indisputable, because of long tenure. So you put all of that on the line and didn't accept a deal. And quite frankly, I think it was just really poor advice from the union. Um, or poor decision-making from the union. Because, look, they would have had to get some sort of buy-in from the grievers. Um, the extent of that buy-in, it's unclear because obviously it wasn't involved. But they would have had to get some sort of buy-in or perhaps they didn't get any buy-in at all and unilaterally made the decision, which, quite frankly, is even worse. Uh, I mean, you know, is it is there some kind of sickness where people don't think that defrauding a benefits uh scheme is is actually so bad or they feel entitled because you know i think there's a kind of continuum on these things where um you see i mean some people you know get notes for very spurious kinds of of sick leave and there are a lot of disputes involving disability and all that stuff so is it because there's a kind of continuum on these things I think in this particular case, and of course it is very case specific, if you look at some of the defenses that are being presented, they really do range um, as far as TTC employees go. I mean, you know, some of it is, you know, we didn't know, we didn't understand the extent of the, uh, of the fraud, or quite frankly, we've been with TTC for a number of years with a clean disciplinary record. So even if I've done something like this, that doesn't mean I'm not capable of doing my job uh, with the TTC. And, you know, you, you hear it that way. And, you know, it does make sense to some degree that this, this isn't the type of fraud necessarily that, you know, would have affected the day-to-day work that the employees were doing. But nonetheless, it does speak to trust. But ultimately, you have these employees saying that, you know, they're 
the TTC could have chosen some other lesser option. And there hasn't been that breakdown in trust because it was an isolated incident insofar as it relates to this one particular company that was assisting with the benefit fraud. But as far as I'm concerned, I mean, if I was counsel advising uh, these employees in a non-unionized case, in a non-unionized context, I would have told them, look, you're dead in the water. This is fraud. And ultimately, an arbitrator is going to make the determination that the company can't trust you anymore. And if they can't trust you anymore, then you have no reason to be working for the company. Uh, Again, do you think that there is a more widespread problem in uh, society with attitudes to benefits and, and what's okay and what's not okay? Absolutely. I think there's some sense of entitlement. And certainly I see that as an employment lawyer, um, you know, outside of the context of this one particular case where, you know, employees do feel this sense of entitlement that, look, this is benefits that I pay for. It's something that's worked into my compensation. And ultimately, you know, if I want to submit, you know, a massage receipt that, you know, is a little bit grossed up in terms of price, or if I want to, you know, um, you know, submit this expense for orthotic shoes or whatever the case may be, um, it's something that I'm entitled to. And I do think that the TTC case and essentially what happened a couple years ago with these mass firings with TTC does and should send a very strong message uh, to employees that essentially what you're um, putting on the line is not only your reputation, but potentially your livelihood. And, and and quite frankly, how embarrassing is it to have to go to a new prospective employer and say, look, I've got all these, this amazing skill set. I'm able to do my job. I've got no disciplinary record. But yes, I was involved in benefit fraud. And you know my employer considered it to be so serious that I lost my job. Well, good luck with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and it's one of those things where you're asking your new prospective employer to trust you on the basis of fraud that you committed with your uh, last employer. So I do think there is a little bit of let's make an example, although for TTC, it was probably more about, you know, making an internal example for the hundreds and hundreds of employees that they have, uh, you know, working for them as opposed to sending a message external of their organization. But again, I'm not counsel for TTC, so that's just conjecture on my part. Well, yeah, I'm also wondering about the the culture inside. I mean, that's a lot of employees, 700 employees involved in this. How did that happen? Uh, uh, 700 employees who, for whatever reason, thought that this was okay or thought that they would get away with it. Well, part of the defense, um, as you know, is also um, that, you know, TTC somehow contributed to this problem um, in that, you know, they, I think there was some other company that was working in conjunction with the benefits provider earlier involving other employees. So I think some of the employees are like, well, TTC may not have known about it, you know, in its entirety, but certainly they knew enough. Um, and they, you know, sent this you know, messaging to employees that, you know, this is not something that you could lose your job over. I mean, we've only seen two cases come down the pipeline as far as decisions go. I think things are going to get crazy and crazy, crazier and crazier in terms of some of the defenses that we're going to see, um, unless the union decides to pull the plug now. And I don't know if they even can because that deal isn't on the table anymore. This is just a lose-lose situation for everyone. And, and truly, and this may surprise you, coming from me um, as a management side lawyer, but I do feel for these employees because I don't know what the um, accessibility would be for their for, for them in terms of finding new employment at the pay grade that they would have enjoyed at TTC. But again, if you're part of, you know, if you're partaking in a fraudulent scheme, then I guess you deserve to lose your job. Uh, as a guess, if the deal is not on the table, how long would it 
take for all of this to wind its way through? And uh, I know that Stuart was saying it's in-house lawyer, so the money doesn't count. But, you know, with with a stack that high, um, somebody's being paid to do that. Absolutely. And I can't imagine even for a moment um, that on either end, there is an external legal advice. Um, that's solicited from time to time. So notwithstanding the fact that you've got your in-house lawyers handling the matter, at some point, you know, litigation becomes, um, you know, you know, litigation becomes, you know, so contentious and, you know, so lengthy um, that at some point you do have to exchange external lawyers. And that's something, uh, you know, that is going to be a significant issue for both the union and for TTC. So it's just a bad situation for everyone. And a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of blame to be placed on the TTC as well. I mean, you have to ask yourself, how do 700 employees even go and do something like this? Like, where are the internal checks and balances? But again, that's a question I wouldn't be able to answer. Okay. Um, it's uh, It boggles the mind, I must say, and it's a fascinating story. And thank you so much for your insight, Muniza Sheikh. Always, my, always a pleasure to be on with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. And uh, that's all the time we have for today. Remember, Free For All Friday is coming up tomorrow. So uh, if you didn't get a chance to get through or if there's something else that's on your mind, something that you're hearing today, maybe give us a shout. It's the day that you decide the agenda and talk about what you want to talk about. And as I said, that's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.